I've become pretty suspicious of ambition, especially the kind that I find in myself, because a lot of times the my own um, longing to succeed and even that can be like succeed for Jesus. You know, I mean, it can be good things, but I sometimes question it because I'm not sure that's not really what I see in Jesus. I don't really see hustle in him. And I guess it depends on how you define the word, but the way I define it is when my soul feels like it's shaking on the inside. And so um, to answer your question, how I've seen um, changes in my family, I feel like it starts with me on the inside as I've started to ask myself, where can my soul sit down on a bench on the inside so that I can be more present with my family on the outside? You're listening to episode 83 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I'm chatting with Emily Freeman. Now, Emily is the author of several books, Grace for the Good Girl, Graceful, a young lady's version of helping her get rid of the try-hard life, A Million Little Ways, a conversation about creativity, and her latest book is releasing August 18th. It's called Simply Tuesday, and today she's sharing the story behind that. Uh, it's more It's more than just talking about a day of the week, if you can imagine. It's just kind of an entire idea. And I love what you just shared in that intro I had um, about the inside, what's going on on the inside, because we may not be able to change the activity around us and just sit all day, but our souls can be at peace when we recognize Christ in them. And I, I really feel like Emily is kind of helping us reshape this online culture and this mothering and friendship culture, kind of wake us up and help us get a little centering, have our souls sit a little bit, recognize and invite Christ, even though he's there already, invite him into those moments. Um, At the end of the episode, I'm going to share a little bit about soul shaking this last week. And um, thank you all for grace during my podcast sabbatical. Uh, Emily, today, her words are soothing and thought-provoking, and I know you're going to enjoy everything she has to say. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Emily, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad we made it work. Two ladies in the the technology world, (laughs) figuring it out together. We got it. Figuring it out. Yep. That's good. Okay, so I, I know you. And we've met um, at Illum. But maybe somebody listening doesn't know who you are and they have not read one of your books, which we're going to remedy that um, through this podcast. Could you just quickly introduce, not quickly, what, however long you want to take, introduce, <laughs> your, <laughs> introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Absolutely. So I am married to my husband, John. We've been married um, this summer. It's about 14 years, not about exactly 14 years. Mm -hmm. We have three kids, twin girls who are headed to middle school and a son who is headed into third grade. So that's fun. Middle Mm -hmm. school. I mean, I remember John, my husband, John started out as a youth pastor when we first got married and he was a middle school youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And I remember those kids and now I am one of those kids moms and it's the weirdest feeling. That is really, I'm not ready for that. My my son mentioned the other day in the car, he's going into fourth grade. He said, you know, mom, I'm almost in junior high. And I was like, let's not talk about that. I'm not talking about that. You're not, you're not yet. Which P- P.S. Junior high sounds so much older than middle school. Yeah. Doesn't it? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. We call it middle school. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. I think that's good. I think that that sounds like a nice small step towards yeah. maturity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. And okay. You've been writing for a little while. When did your first book, Grace for the Good Girl, come out? That book came out in the fall of 2011. Okay. So you just, and then you did another, which was kind of a, was it a follow-up kind of? I did a second book that was similar to the themes and the message of Grace for the Good Girl, which was all about letting go of your try-hard life. Mm -hmm. But the second one was called Graceful, and it was um, written specifically for teen girls. So that one, so they were, they're sort of like, you know, mother-daughter version, although that's not how they were written at all. And I've had a lot of, of young girls, teen girls read Grace for the Good Girl too. But but yeah, the second one was was written specifically for that age group. That's and then the third book was A Million Little Ways, and that came out in 2013. So I had a 2011, 2012, 2013. Because oh. I'm a little bit crazy, <laughs> I think. Yeah, people that have babies that close, they go loony bin. <laughs> they have loony right? Wow. Okay, and I love that for for young girls, the message of grace for the good girl, what, like, I don't have girls, you know, but I love that that could be my future daughter-in-laws that they could get that kind of taken care of maybe worked on (laughs) a little bit in the young, yeah, just take care of that so you can move forward in freedom. And, um, so yeah, if y'all have young girls, middle school girls, um, you could check out graceful as a resource for sure. So you've been writing, you write online over at, is it, do you have the P in there? Emily P. Freeman? I have com? the P. I do. Emily P. Freeman.com. You write there regularly? Yeah. I do. I I used to write more often. Now I've realized I only have probably about one good thing to say per week, if that. (laughs) (laughs) So I usually get about two posts up a week and then I always do a weekend, um, sort of a close out your weekend blessing post on Saturdays, Mm -hmm. along with some fun links from around the internet. So if I, on a good week, I've got three posts up. That's a lot these days. I mean, That's I a ton like, these days. Yeah. I on a, like, notice I said a good week. <laughs> Not all weeks are good. <laughs> Not the last week of school or the first yeah, week of summer. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So you've been writing there and behind the scenes in your real, everyday, non-online life, God kind of starts showing you some things and that prompts your next book. Can you kind of tell us a little bit of the story behind your newest book, Simply Tuesday? You know, books are kind of like people that the more you spend time with them, the more you get to know them. And Mm. I've realized as a writer, I in a dream world, I would have an idea for a book and outline it in the front end and then just sort of write straight through like that Mm. would be really great. But instead, how it happens is you have this thought or you see something happen in your real life. And it just sticks with you. And that's Mm. how this book sort of was born for me. It was years ago. um, We moved into a cul-de-sac next to, with one house between my my husband's brother and his wife and family. And so, yeah, some people are like, you're crazy that you live next door to your in-laws. Um, but they're fantastic. And and it was actually their idea. They pointed out the house to us that it mm-hmm. was open and free. And so um, not free, but available. <laughs> available. So yeah. we do not live in a free house. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> Quote here. So we moved. Yeah, right. <laughs> you heard it here. So we moved in and it's a it's a quiet little cul-de-sac. Um, and, and we love our neighborhood. Um, but our kids were really small when we first moved in. It was about 
six years ago. And in the middle of the cul-de-sac is a grassy area. And we would always hang out in that grassy area because the kids would, you know, ride their bikes around the cul-de-sac and it was super fun. And one day John's mom, my husband, John's mom said, wouldn't it be great if we had a couple of benches here in the cul-de-sac so that we didn't have to keep pulling out blankets and pulling out lawn chairs from the garage. And so sure enough, the next day she pulls up with a bench in the back of her car and we put it together and put it in the cul-de-sac. And then the next day, a neighbor thought it was such a great idea that she went and bought a matching bench. And so now our cul-de-sac had two matching benches facing one another. And it was sort of like our little community of seven homes finally had a living room to hang out in. And um, it sounds so simple and almost like a non thing, but it was one afternoon shortly after we put those benches in the cul-de-sac when I was making dinner. And I noticed that two of our neighbors came out to the center of the cul-de-sac at the same time. And they are probably in their late seventies, early Mm eighties. And they went out to the benches in the middle and they sat down and I, it was almost like they had called one another to say, let's, let's meet at the benches in the cul-de-sac. And so they went out and they sat because it was like perfectly timed. They come out. So I went out to sort of chat with them and see what was up. And they were talking about their kids. I mean, nothing, they weren't talking about any thing life-changing or, you know, changing the world. It was just simple, everyday conversation. I went back in the house. I finished dinner. I noticed the clock. They were out there for over an hour. And I realized that they had never done that before, simply because that there had not been an easy way for them to be together. You know, they were getting older. They, they, I would see them chat out by the mailboxes, but they had never stayed out for an hour. Mm. And I thought about, it's because the benches didn't give them some fancy, newfangled thing to talk about. And it didn't give them something to talk about. But what the benches did for them was it gave them a place to be. Mm. It gave them a place to connect. And for me as a writer, in that moment when I, when I just, it was just one of those everyday ordinary moments, but something clicked in me. And I thought, you know, as a writer, that's what my writing hopefully is for other people mm-hmm. that I'm not coming up with something new to say. I'm not coming up with, Oh, this is something that's never been said before, <laughs> or this is something that no one has ever experienced. No, yeah. it's simply that I, I'm, I'm offering what I have. And hopefully this writing can be, can enter into a conversation that's already happening and can find a way to connect with other people. And so for a long time, I would talk about that as a writer, that that sort of helped me as a writer. But then it started to spread into all other areas of my life, my home, my relationship with my family, um, my own, my work, my um, plans for the future and thinking about so many areas in life. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to uh, build, go higher, build a ladder, almost climb a ladder to be higher so I can see the big picture. So I can, um, you know, we think about corporately people are trying to climb a ladder. Like that's the idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Is to get bigger. Do more, be but more. The, yeah. Do more. Yeah. And the, the benches have sort of begun to teach me that perhaps it isn't a ladder or a platform that I need, uh, but perhaps it's, it's more that I simply need a bench to sit on with others so I can connect mm. and, and really relate with with people as people and not just try to not try to get bigger or be obsessed. I feel like that I've learned in writing and in in thinking about this bench story mm-hmm. that I really want to release my obsession with building a life and trust in the life that Christ is building within me. Mm, that's really good. Not building a life, but the, the life God's Christ is building within you. And so and so you have these benches. And what small things did you notice in your family that was changing as you sm- switched your mind towards 
not striving, but really being. It's such a, it's such a, well, I think about with my own job, you know, Mm -hmm. as a writer, it's really easy to measure success by numbers or by, um, (laughs) uh, the way people respond to your work. It's a, it's a privilege to have people read Mm -hmm. your words and it can also be kind of, um, soul crushing sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you put it out because there, you're a creative you do. product and, it, and then it's not and, received. Yeah. Or, or it is received and it, it can, it can go really either way mm. that you can either define yourself by your great success or by your miserable failure. Mm. And so, so your life sort of can become one of sort of a pendulum swing back and forth of how am I doing today based yeah. on whatever thing, whatever measurement we've decided to look at. And I think that can be not just as a writer, but in, in any job that we might have. Um, and so I caught myself sort of on a treadmill um, in some ways that I felt like in a way that my soul had been held hostage by hustle, mm-hmm. that I had become, um, I was slowly on a, it was a, it was almost a, and I say this in a past tense, but I can also slip into this Today, so it's yeah. not really something I've overcome, but it's something I've become hypersensitive to. Yeah. I've become pretty suspicious of ambition, especially mm. the kind that I find in myself, yeah. because a lot of times the my own um, longing to succeed, and even that can be like succeed for Jesus, you know. I mean, it can be good things, <laughs> yeah. But I sometimes question it because I'm not sure that's not really what I see in Jesus. I don't mm. really see hustle in him. And I guess it depends on how you define the word. But the way I define it is when my soul feels like it's shaking on the inside. Mm. And so um, to answer your question, how I've seen um, changes in my family, I feel like it starts with me Mm. on the inside as I've started to ask myself, where can my soul sit down on a bench on the inside Mm. so that I can be more present with my family on the outside? And that is sort of a um, okay, so what are you talking about? Like it can sound sort of like abstract, but I'm finding that it is in the small moments um, where I feel like that's where our real life happens, that mm-hmm. I, that in order to live a faithful life, I don't have to, oh, if only I didn't have to do these little things, if only I didn't have to finish these dishes or mm-hmm. drive halfway around the city all day to drop people off at different things and pick them up, mm-hmm. that those are not, setting those things aside is not what makes a faithful life. Embracing those things in the presence of Christ is what mm-hmm. makes a faithful life. And yeah. I think that that has been a subtle shift within me, and I'm still learning what that looks like on an everyday basis. Kind of just our attitude in them, right? Like um, like you're saying, let's talk about just the driving the kids around. So you're saying don't just pull your kids out of everything and and stop everything you're doing. But if you're driving your kids to a sport or an event – Instead of having the the attitude of the grumps and going into zombie, I go into zombie mode sometimes when I'm driving, like <laughs> embracing it and like listening to their chatter and having a conversation um, with your kids and or cranking up a top 40 hit and just dance, dance party in the car. That kind of stuff is what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I think that I don't I don't want to ever say that we need to celebrate every moment because they're all so great. The truth is a lot of moments are super boring (laughs) and kind of dumb and that's okay. Mm. And I think that it's not about the moment. 
It's about who is with us in the moment, that, that, that Christ comes with us in every ordinary moment mm-hmm. and that we can celebrate it not because it's great, but because he's there. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that makes a difference. And honestly, it might not look super different on the outside sometimes. Mm-hmm. It might look exactly the same. I do remember a time, a really specific time when I was sort of in that, I've written a couple of books and I'm learning how to be a grown up and an author and a mom and a wife and a friend. And I found that I was starting to become really, um, I'm an introvert already, but I was starting to become one even more. And maybe it's not even introvert. Maybe it was more like I was just feeling myself withdrawing a lot. Like it just, it was, it took a lot of energy to be with people. (laughs) And, and it bothered me because I thought, I, I want to live my life, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, and there were other things too. Like I, John was sort of in this time of this limbo of, should I um, leave this job I have? And so we were sort of in a, maybe a vocational questioning time. And yeah. the kids were some of the, one of our daughters was having some struggle with anxiety and, and so was I. And so it just sort of was like this, if only I could, here's what I remember thinking. If only I could get the big picture of my life. If Mm -hmm. only I could see what does all this mean? And Mm -hmm. so that I can know what decision to make. I just want some clarity, which P.S. Sometimes I think clarity is super overrated. (laughs) I long for, if I had clarity, sometimes I mean, I wouldn't really need faith. But anyway, so I long for clarity and I was longing for this. So I went to talk with a trusted friend and counselor and I was, I was laying out all the things before Uh him. Like, I've got this and we've got these questions and this is foggy and I don't know what to do here. And so can you kind of help me see the big picture ready go and <laughs> his response to me um i will not forget he said to me um very kindly with a smile he said uh probably said dear as he prefaced it because he calls me dear mm. but he said three words celebrate your smallness mm. and in that moment i thought that is the worst advice <laughs> i have ever heard in my whole life because nobody wants to be small, you know, like that's just not, when I think of being small, I think of being humiliated. I think of the first time I try something, you know, like I feel like a dork or when someone ignores me or rejects me or overlooks me, nobody wants to be small. Um, But when he put the word celebrate with it, I had to pay attention because I think that oftentimes when I have taken that, that, that phrase he said, when I've taken it to heart and I've applied it to my real life, when someone does overlook me or when I do feel um, rejected or when I feel like I have all these questions and zero answers, when I have decided and said, what does it look like to celebrate my smallness in this moment? I have discovered Christ lives just beyond that question. Mm-hmm. And he's there waiting for me to bring me into the future to say, I'm not asking you to figure this out. I'm simply asking you to invite me into this moment because guess what? I'm already there, but inviting me feels really hospitable. And mm-hmm. so it's my inviting him is really for me. It's not like he's not here, so I need to invite him. He's really here, but I want to invite him because that's the hospitable thing to do. And it reminds me of his presence. And it's really been transformative for me um, spiritually to recognize Christ in those small moments. If you think about the way he came to earth, he came to Bethlehem and he came as a tiny baby yeah. dependent upon a, a small girl. I mean, smallness is 
is written all over the Bible that mm. that he is the kingdom belongs to the children and and his kingdom is is like a mustard seed and like a net and like a buried treasure it's everywhere mm. and I want to pay attention to that and that just isn't something that is an idea it's something that's real and tangible and that shows up in my everyday moments I love that and I and it goes against what you're hearing from outside everywhere that's celebrating the fame and celebrating the fortune and this desire for more. I need more. I think our sermon on Sunday was on greed and the, the one, the rich man who went, wanted to go build bigger barns. And the answer was, you don't even know what your life is. You could be dead tomorrow. But the word greed is I need more. And in the pursuit of more, the anxiety comes and the next yes. verses are, do not be anxious, seek the kingdom of God first, and he will meet all your needs. So the the striving for I need more leads to anxiety, but the peace comes when we're, when we're okay with what we have and we're pursuing the kingdom and he provides what we need. He knows our needs. And, and you're like you're saying, like inviting him in and saying, I'm content with this. I don't, I don't need the more. Because you know my needs and this is what you've given me and you've allotted my, my, this is what I've been allotted. And it's not what the world is saying. <laughs> it's not. And no. I think we would all in conversation agree with yeah. that. Like we yeah. all, yes, of course, of course. Yeah, not, not, not. don't, yeah. but I need a reminder every single day mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. true. And I think mm-hmm. that's one reason why the benches have been a grounding metaphor for me. That's why. Tuesday is a grounding metaphor yeah. for me because it comes around every single week. And it helps me remember that life is not one long race to the weekend. Like, let me just get through this week so that I can rest on the weekend. That's why I love Tuesdays so much because Tuesday is a weekly reminder that this is my real life and these are my real people and this is where I live. And our, it's our Tuesday moments, I think, where Jesus shows up as a kind companion in ways that perhaps i wouldn't see him on a weekend, you know, because it's not the big, it's not the showy, you know, Tuesday is sort of just the everyday. If you want to see your real life, pay attention to your Tuesdays and you'll, you'll see like, oh, we have tacos on Tuesdays and we, (laughs) you know, have soccer practice on Tuesdays and it's just the regular kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think because everyone looks to Sabbath, right? And whether you do the new Christian Sunday Sabbath or the Jewish Friday sunset to Saturday sunset Sabbath, we think of the weekend as the Sabbath. So to kind of reframe your mind, it almost transforms your whole pace to to pause on Tuesday. You know? It does. And Tuesday is has always been one, my favorite day of the week ever since college when um my one of my favorite singer songwriters, Sarah Mason, mm-hmm. I talk about her in pretty much every book I write <laughs> because I think she's such a. There's some artists that their art and whatever their art is helps us to see the invisible kingdom. Mm. It's not that we. It's not that we don't know that God's kingdom is invisible or that our true home is in him, but it's just that sometimes we forget because we can't see it. And I think that's the, um, the gift that artists give us is that they put either music or form or shape or lyric or whatever it is to remind us of the invisible kingdom. And so her words, her poetry somehow just touches my soul in a way that puts 
puts shape, gives shape to the invisible kingdom of God. And so she wrote this song called Tuesday on one of her earlier albums Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And the lyric goes, Tuesday, after a reckless and used day, I was running and running without a chance to stop and chat at the sky. And finally, I stopped for a breath in the evening. And suddenly, suddenly I was stopped by the scenery painting a picture of you. Mm -hmm. And that obviously was um for anybody who reads my blog, that was the inspiration for my blog name, Chatting at the Sky. Um, But it's also been an inspiration for my love of Tuesdays because I think so many of us are running and running without a chance to stop and chat at the sky, to look up and to remember our true home. Because even though smallness can be humiliating and we can find ourselves um, in a small place when we feel rejected or all of those sort of negative ways, We also experience smallness in a very different, profound, and powerful way when we stand on the edge of the ocean or we watch a sunset or we look up at the stars. And I think there's a really a beautiful thing that can be found in our smallness. And I think that for me, Tuesdays helps to remind me of that type of smallness. And so, you know, where can I sit down on the bench? Where can I celebrate my smallness on my Tuesdays? Even if it's Friday, even if it's Wednesday, it doesn't really matter the day of the week, but Christ is with us in every ordinary moment. And what might it look like for him to come out of me in a way that he won't come out of anyone else? I think it starts with uh, remembering my smallness in his presence. It's a really lovely place to hang out. It doesn't always feel lovely, but in the end, it turns out that way, it seems. Well, and I like your wording because it's basically choosing humility. It's the same, right? Our position before God and our and our position in life, that's the, the, the standing at the edge of the ocean is, oh my goodness, <laughs> look how tiny I am. I mean, that word <laughs> smallness is is such a good way to to choose that position of humility and because humbling and humility and humiliation all are sound so negative. And, like, they do. Awful. Yeah. And, and they're not my favorite kind of words. Yeah. No. And pride doesn't sound good either. That's a, that, that's bad unless you're proud of your kids. But I think saying, you know, let's choose to celebrate the small smallness. I think that's, let's get a shirt with that. Okay. Or something. Let's do. It's such okay. a, for me, it's such a, a relief. I think sometimes I feel like my smallness is a liability, mm. but Jesus is teaching me that it's actually my gift. Yeah. Well, and it's again, it's going against what's all around you and what's going what's all around us is causing so much so much like crazy craziness. There's so much crazy that There's to, so much crazy. There's so yeah. much crazy. Can we just say that and then to choose small and to find peace there is how you can shine a light. People say, what's different about Emily? She seems really like Zen right now. Like something's different <laughs> about her. And then they, you could like invite them, the hospitality that you inviting Christ into your life is then inviting others into that moment. And that's another big word that we don't use evangelism. I mean, that is by choosing smallness, you're choosing to evangelize to others. Yeah, know. that's a word you don't use in everyday no, sentences. No, it's not popular. <laughs> No, not needed a lot. So I think um, another thing I'm sensing to come good to come out of this whole shift in mentality is that no longer do you and I become competitors against one another because I'm not desiring your life. You're not desiring my life, right? Talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you can replace competition with connection with this simple Tuesday mentality. Yeah, I think that there is something to be said for um, 
when I am in the place of embracing my own smallness, it releases me from the burden of feeling like I need to make myself bigger, which mm. is really what competition is. Yeah. If you think about um, running a race, which is awesome, run a race, but in a race, I'm running either in front of you or hopefully not behind you if I want to win. But but if I want to connect with you, I have to face you. But if we mm. face one another, the race is over. And mm. so I, I once heard Shauna Nyquist say that um, with people you can connect or compare, but you can't do both. Mm. And boy, have I found that to be true, mm. is that in relationships, if I am comparing myself to you, competing with you, there is no way I can connect with you. Mm. And and that is uh, that is so true. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> if I can add to it. No. It's just it's, so true. It's so true. And I think moms, new moms, playgroup moms, oh, how, I mean, it's such a good time to connect because you're all like totally desperate and like miserable. A little bit miserable. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch of your body and your sleep deprivation is making its mark. And and then you're all in a room together with your babies. And if you allow the my babies sitting up and yours isn't, then you're not going to connect with that mom. <laughs> right. And you need her. Right. You need her. You need her. Absolutely, you do. So and it goes. It goes for when their babies sitting down all the way till they grow up. You know, mm. it's like those opportunities of comparing or connecting are always there. Mm. And I think it starts with in those moments when you recognize I feel threatened. It's paying attention to that place in my soul that that alarm bell that goes off. I feel threatened. That's where the choice is. The choice is right there. Am I going to choose to compete or am I going to choose to connect? And let me tell you what, the choice to connect is often a very it's the harder choice because it, it's it's kind of painful because we have to then sometimes it feels like somebody else wins. Yeah. Like, oh, if I if I don't enter this competition, then they win. Yeah. But but people that there's there's no there's no winning or losing in the kingdom of God. And that's where we live. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's you choosing to step out of the race and and surrender and saying, Okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, because it, it takes two people to race. If yeah. you take yourself out, there's no co- competition. And it, yeah. for me, it comes down to in this moment, am I being led by love or am I being pushed by fear? Mm. And often when I feel the need to compete or compare, it's when I'm being it's when I'm being pushed by fear. Yeah. And so I have to ask God in that moment, how, what does it look like to be led by love? And I don't always do that. But a lot of times I'll look back later in the day and I'll look back over the day and think, where are the moments where I was? led by love and pushed by fear. And usually I can, the outcome of those are, it's very clear. It's, yeah. you can tell right away. Oh, I know that was fear. That was love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so many good things you've said, Miss Emily. I'm just sitting here taking notes because. I'm so glad. This is a good you way to start my to. Tuesday. You can just read the book. I could. I've already oh, taken all the notes for Okay. You. So tell us when is it coming out and how, you know, where can we get so, it and that kind of stuff. Yeah. The book releases August 18th, Yippee, Yippee. and it will be available um, in bookstores on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Basically, your favorite bookseller (laughs) should have the book. Awesome. And are you like, you're probably revving up your book launching stuff. So I'm so, yeah, I'm so excited to have a a book launch team this time around. I've never had one before. Really? Yeah, yeah surprising me. so excited. That's very exciting. So if people kind of follow you on all your little places where you are, they could catch wind of when exciting things happen. 
Absolutely. Emily, I'm pretty much Emily P. Freeman on everything. Okay. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the blog. It's all Emily P. Freeman. You can't forget the P just because <laughs> there is another Emily Freeman author. And I often get her emails and she gets my emails and she's delightful and lovely. Um, but she's a different person. And so <laughs> she will not have my books. <laughs> There are, in fact, a lot of Emily Freemans, which I discovered this morning on Skype. There are a lot of Emily Yeah. <laughs> no world. You can't just pick oh, one. I did I'm just pick one. Right one. I sent her a uh, <laughs> request and she hasn't responded yet. Um, oh, well. Yeah. But Emily, I just am so thankful that you joined us and shared all that God's been teaching you and just kind of gave us a little pep talk to um, just live our small moments and invite Christ into them because he's already there. Really. Welcome him. He's already there. That's right. Welcome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. I hope you have a great Tuesday. You too. All right. Bye. Pretty awesome, right? Wow. Um, I took lots of notes from Emily talking and I'll share some of them throughout social media this week. But three things that I think that we should think about after listening to Emily. One is what is our motivation? When things are coming um, at you as this year is starting and signups for things are happening and you get opportunities. What are you pursuing? What what success are you pursuing? And is God in that? Um, just looking at your motivation, I think will help all of us with that hustle that is not probably from God. And then two, um, how does your soul sit? What benches do you have in your life? What rhythms do you have in your week where you get a chance to rest? I know for myself, it's in the morning. Um, I like to sit and just be by myself with coffee and the Bible and worship music. Um, I also like to, from Friday night to Saturday night, stay off social media um, as best I can just to reset what I'm actually after. I'm an extrovert, so I don't want to miss out on anything but really recognizing that I'm never missing out on anything. I'm right in the middle of God's will and that just seeing what other people are doing um, is not my will. That's God's will for them. Uh, and then the third thing would be, it kind of goes along with that, the competition. Uh, who do you need to turn towards? Who um, are you not experiencing connection with? It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be someone at at the school your your kids go to. It could be... Um, a spouse and how can you kind of stop racing against them and turn towards them so those are my three challenges now I did say I would share what's going on in my life I have had a rough week I mean emotionally I think I cried like non-stop um so a couple weeks ago and my parents have been living with us for the whole summer but um and my dad had surgery they had found a tumor in his colon, he had some surgery, and then we found out two weeks ago that it was cancer and possibly stage four. Right now, they're definitely saying stage three. And I found that out and then um, went and hosted a conference, like you do. Uh, and these girls that I host with are awesome. They did all the work. I showed up, um, and it really wasn't a lot of effort. But being there and and being with people and um, I didn't realize I was kind of holding in a lot of grief. Now, I did find moments to sit on that bench um, with friends in my room and cry. Another gal who I'd never met just stopped me, saw that I had tears in my eyes and prayed over me and shared her own story of her mom having cancer. Another friend who didn't even know my story shared about her father passing 
recently and how thought she thought she'd be devastated because he was her world and how she found God faithful that she was not devastated. Um, God really spoke over me his presence as my heavenly father because I have a pretty awesome dad. You can go listen to the episode on donut dates and recognize how awesome my dad is. Um, but in feeling out of control, because cancer can feel very out of control, you can't see it, you don't know what's happening, you don't know how long you have with that person, excuse me. In feeling out of control, you try to control things in your immediate environment. And so I found myself trying to control the boys, and that would turn to anger. And that is, I felt like I was hurting people around me. And so if you're in a place of grief, and sadness and you're feeling out of control, I totally get that. That's where I was. But I want to encourage you um, that I did find moments with friends that um, I was able to pray and kind of confess my fears and find God faithful. And this morning at church, I um, was the whole sermon was how faithful of Father we have and how we can call him daddy. And even no matter what father figure we had, whether he was perfect or very, very imperfect, God wants us to know that he is never impatient. He's never distracted. It's never too late to come back to his lap. We're never too old or too big. And there's never too small a worry that we can share with him. And I just wanted to speak that over you. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your soul, how much shaking is happening. Um, But, you know, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, Romans 8, 16 tells us that the Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are children of God, that you are um, a child of the Almighty. And if your soul needs to sit, and, and maybe it's not a bench, maybe it's God's lap, and you just find him faithful. He is always there. He will never disappoint you. And um, I pray that 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 gives you comfort uh, this week. Thanks for letting me share a little bit of my shakiness. God was faithful that even though I didn't have up a podcast, that I, I kept getting emails about people who had listened to past episodes. And God is just working. Y'all, it's humbling to put this out. I'm not doing this to build any platform, but only to introduce more of God's goodness to you through the people that I meet, through the books that are out there, through the experts that can help make our lives a little bit easier and help just keep reporting, pointing ourselves back to God. So there's my story for this week. I hope uh, y'all do stay sane and you can celebrate the smallness uh, as we approach back to school. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. 
Have a great day.